Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. I've been flailing a lot recently, you know, panicking and procrastinating and unable to get any kind of grip. There's a lack of focus, fuzzy and fizzy, always at half-mast. But then I tried Oto's Power Drops. These power drops hail from the labs of Oto CBD, a leader in premium CBD worldwide. And they're called power drops because they deliver around 40 milligrams of CBD, as well as vitamins C, D and E, ingredients hand-selected by Oto scientists to give you a boost. Energy, clarity, power. Now, I've started taking them first thing and they seem to take the edge off that horrible morning freefall. I genuinely feel more focused and less scattered. My moods are not easy to shift, <laughs> but on the really mad days, even I feel more anchored when I've dosed up on the power drops. Inner calm. Imagine that makes me feel more powerful. So we are delighted that Oto are sponsoring this episode of I'm Absolutely Fine, and they are offering listeners a 20% discount with the code MIDALT20. We've put the link in the show notes but you can also find them at otocbd.com. That's otocbd.com. Hi, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but I'm having what I could only call a codependency flare-up. Now, a bit like gout or eczema, whenever I get sort of really stressed, what happens is I get totally codependent. So my ability to distinguish myself, separate myself from the people around me and the people that I love becomes sort of impossible. And I forget who I am, what I am for, what I can do, what I'm capable of, anything. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I'm just hoping that you will have some kind of wise word to say, like, it's going to be okay, Emily. And also, this is what you should do. We can discuss that after the podcast. <laughs> I know, I need a I'm session. Absolutely, I have some things to contribute to this conversation. Okay, good, thank you. But in the meantime, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I am intensely happy that this episode is sponsored by Oto because I am incredibly heart-poundy at the moment and head-poundy and sort of flighty and useless but also leaden. And it's like I've got panic goggles on. And, and so everything that I see through my panic-tinted spectacles prompts a kind of micro-panic. And I'm finding it quite hard to sort of stay in my body. Really, I just want to get into bed and stare at the wall. I mean, we all know about the age of anxiety shtick, right, Em? I mean, yeah. you and I have contributed to this conversation significantly. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, and you know, I wrote something about it in The Telegraph last weekend about, you know, because what, from what we are feeling and what we're hearing... 
2022 is going to be all about panic. Hooray, panic is the new black. Yeah, so we've got that to look forward to. Maybe the, the, the panic-demic did something to neutralise our anxiety in that it, it made us feel less alone because the thrum of anxiety was everywhere. So rather than feeling like anxious maniacs and freaks, we felt as though we belonged for the first time. But conversely, maybe what the pandemic, the panic-demic, has done is not neutralise anxiety, but rather turbocharge it, fuel it, stick a rocket up its arse, so that rather than living with that dull familiar ache of anxiety, our old friend, we're now constantly stabbed with spikes of panic. It spikes like a like an anxiety variant. <laughs> oh my god. The panic variant. Which spectrum you know Panicrom. Yes, the Panicrom variant. There you go. Extremely infectious. Not deadly, but very infectious. And so this veers wildly around the gamut of your life. So it could be, um, will you ever have sex again? Will you? Do you care? Or maybe you have got to have a difficult conversation. Oh, God. You know, and I mean, if you're anything like me, you've got a horror loop in your head when you've got to ask someone to do something or to stop some doing something more significantly. And, uh, and of course, when you have this conversation, they throw a chair at your head. Has anyone ever thrown a chair at you? No, but you know, it could still happen, right? Well, the, the panic tells us that, that, that anything, anything could happen. Will I ever be able to afford to repair the leaking roof? You know, maybe I should move. Oh no, but I forgot. I can't ever, ever move again because of stamp duty. So I panic about the roof and I panic about the non-move. Panicking about whether or not you're ever going to see your friends again. Awful. Simultaneously panicking about actually having to see your friends tonight. Awful. Nothing worse than having <laughs> to see friends tonight. Panicking about Brexit. Panicking about democracy. Panicking about our own uselessness within this. And this is all much more pumped up and adrenalised than sort of, you know, wily old anxiety. You know, we've spoken before, the constant panic about who we are, who we're supposed to be. Here you are, Emily, with your codependency. Be yourself, everyone, you know, everyone says. Because all the other people are taken. But who are you? Yeah, who the fuck am I? What, you've been told, presumably, you have a head for business and a body for <laughs> sin. Or maybe it's a head for sin. <laughs> Lady in the streets, a freak in the sheets, a maid in the bedroom, maybe a welder by night, a fisherman at dawn, a farmer <laughs> at midday. I mean, can't you just lie down? <sighs> and then you add age panic to that. So... Everyone keeps telling you that age doesn't matter anymore and you shouldn't care about it. But, I mean, is, is anyone apart from me just really confused? You know, are we old or are we young? Also, even though you are, let's say, 44, aren't you really 50 now after everything that you've been through? <laughs> yeah, or well, 70. Yeah, 300. Or 90. I know. So the only fun part about the panic is that where anxiety usually felt isolating and shaming, panic is bottomlessly shareable. <laughs> It's true. So panic isn't insidious in that way. It can be dramatic. It can be wonderfully dramatic. Almost fun. Let's make it fun, Em. That's our job. So, um, I mean, I'm not being dramatic, but if I don't go on, on holiday soon, I think I'm probably going to die. <laughs> I'm not being dramatic, but I haven't slept for more than two hours straight since Jerry left the Spice Girls. I'm so sorry. I should have had a trigger warning there. Trigger yes, warning! Yes, a very traumatic memory. I'm not being dramatic, but Downing Street has hosted more parties in the last two years than I've ever been to in my entire life. <laughs> I don't think that is dramatic. That is just might actually be true. Because there have been so many parties at Downing Street. OK, I'm not being dramatic, but I'm starting to think that summer is just a concept I picked up from a Disney film that doesn't exist in real life. Because of the cold and the dark. Yeah, and the sort of grey gloom sitting on top of us. And inside us. Oh, yes, it's I like know. a sort of from mirror. without and within. I know, oh. it's a disaster. Um, or, or, or me on Saturday morning, I'm not being dramatic, but I'm so hungover, my hair hurts. <laughs> and if you had been there and you had said, 
you had perhaps helpfully pointed out that hair can't hurt, I probably would have punched you and made your hair hurt. <laughs> and then you would have known the pain. Mm. Pain sharing. I'm not being dramatic, but I didn't salute a magpie I saw this morning, so basically don't sit next to me or you'll absorb the curse too. Well, I wish you could have told me that before you walked into the house, that you were cursed. <laughs> Do you think I've cursed all the listeners as well? Well, I mean, yes, I mean, it's, it's exactly, it's sort of concentric circles of curse. I, uh, I, you know, magpies, it's a, it's a resonant superstition, that. Do you remember when walking, walking in the pandemic, walking, walking, and I saw more and more magpies every day, and I remember one day saying to you, Em, look out the window, I swear that's the same magpie that I saw in the park. That motherfucker has followed me home. <laughs> ah, ah. Like a raven sitting on the windowsill. Like a harbinger, is it, of gloom I love the and fact doom. Everybody talked about sort of bird watching in, uh, in the first lockdown. Do you remember? It was like, the seeds, the seeds, the bird watching. But we were just like clocking the signs. All I ever saw was magpies. <laughs> the signs. No tits, just magpies. <laughs> ba bum Yeah. I'm not being dramatic, but River Phoenix died in 1993 and I have not been able to trust men since. Mm. Well, probably right there. Yeah, they leave. They abandon. That's it. They're done. They fall down outside, you know, dodgy L.A. nightclubs. Or every day when I'm in my car, I'm not being dramatic, but if I don't find a parking space in the next four minutes, I'm going to have to kill someone. Have I told you about the parking angels? No. Yes, probably. Parking angels will never work their magic when you're angry and screaming and swearing and sweating. Okay. But if you take a step back, if you can do this, and just go in your car, please, parking angels, please find me a space. They always do. Do they? Mm-hmm. Okay. Praise the I... parking angels. And I'm only sharing this because I believe that the parking angels have enough love to go around. Can we, I was about to say, we, we can share the same angels? Yes, I'm going to share my angels with you and you and you and you. Okay, very good. Okay, I'm not being dramatic, but I think I heard my armpit hair screaming when I shaved it off the other day. Did you? I did. What was, ah, uh, you see it's the betrayal. I think it's the ghosts of women past well, crying. Well, well, listeners, regular listeners will know, but new listeners will need to be informed that you were growing your body hair in order to smash the patriarchy. Yeah, it seems like a sort of long, slow smash, but it was nonetheless my little defiance. So why did you shave your armpits? I shaved my armpits because we were doing a photo shoot and I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder if I can try clothes on with a kind of full armpit. Someone might see, you thought. Someone might see. Because you've been conveniently smashing the armpit hair patriarchy during the depths of winter. Exactly. Not in the summer when I'm wearing my cute little vest tops or whatever, which I absolutely don't wear. But no, still. upper arms, upper arms. <laughs> exactly. Never, never, never. No. So you could hear the souls of all the feminists who've gone before, you know, Emmeline Pankhurst, yeah. screaming as you shaved yeah. your armpits and your legs. Mary Wollstonecraft, Julian yeah. of Norwich, all the way back. They were all screaming. Look what you've done. <laughs> exactly. Your resolve lasted mm, three months. I'm not being dramatic, but earlier today I wrote a note with a pen and now my hand has fallen <laughs> off. <laughs> I can write nothing and no one. I have no muscle control at all. Do you remember the reams when we were all at school? We used to write pages and pages, you know, books and books of handwritten 
cursive writing. And now sometimes if I have to sign something, I sign it and I think to myself, that's not my signature. <laughs> that's just a series of weird jerky movements because I cannot control my fingers. Do you know, I was at the dentist the other day and uh, I had to fill in one of those forms and it was literally just, yes, circle, yes, no. You know, yes, you do you have pregnant? diabetes, yeah. exactly. Have you ever sort of fainted at the sight of blood before? Yes, no, exactly. And uh, at, the after, at the end of it, my arm, my hand hurt. I thought, oh my God, I cannot write one other word. Yeah. Pathetic. Practice. Anyway. It's, a, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the muscle wastage that's going on in our hands and all over the rest of us, I yeah. suppose. Now, I'm not being dramatic, but if I don't get at least one effing word all right, I will be resigning from the human race to live in solitude as a crab in the North Sea. I am obsessed with Wordle. It is making me very unattractive. Well, it doesn't look like fun the way you do Wordle. It is not fun the way I Wordle. And also because, do you cheat? Do you look up five letter words beginning with H? Because I do, to lubricate my wordle passage. You know that I have asked you for clues. I will give you clues. you have given me, because you look it I up. I like lubricating your wordle passage. <laughs> it makes the whole thing look less painful. It's intense, the wordle journey. It's so intense. Anyway, thank God we're in it together. And actually, you know what? That is where the magic happens these days. Where? Generally, when we are with our friends. Mm. This is where we can really ruminate over all the important things and discover the truths, like the vital things to work out, to work through and establish. So like... I find a burning question, um, and I know this about most of my closest friends, is do you want to be buried or cremated? I love but I mean, you call that a burning question. Yes, I didn't, even, I, didn't even know, I didn't know why you were sniggering. So are you even out with your friends if you're not discussing whether you want to be buried or cremated but of course you know we're, you know we're planners but you this is this is more codependent stuff going on around this with you because you want to be cremated right you're certain <laughs> of that okay I, a thousand million percent which is not a percent but is true want to be cremated okay but when i announced this at dinner the other night with my family they were all horrified they all said a flat no didn't they and they said no you you can't you have to be buried with the rest of us at which point i was like but i really please don't put me in, like actually don't put me in the ground don't but also but also as a people please i have how do I handle this? No, well, true, that too. So but... you are going to have to write a really sort of like shouty addendum to the will that you have not yet written. Oh God, Emily, we've got it. Listen, if anyone can tell us the easiest, easiest way to write, write wills, please DM us on Instagram or write to us at um, hello at themidart.com because we are paralysed around this will thing. But you, when you get around to it, are going to have to write something saying... P.S. I would like to be cremated. Do not let them railroad me into a... Fucking grave. Yeah. That's absolutely. all I can say. And Annabelle, you, if you are still alive, hopefully you'll be able to like I've say, got a fight on my hands <laughs> yeah, as do. I light the match. <laughs> <laughs> Big knickers or small knickers looms large. Um, you know, because there comes a point in life where you have to pick a side. I mean, one of the questions is, are you still wearing G-strings? Which is a... You know, another burning, literally burning question. <laughs> but how big is big when it comes to knickers? Like really big, huge, like a full body pant? Um, and also... Another question is, where are the best pants from? I'm a lifetime devotee of Stripe and Stair. Yeah, because they're pretty, but also comfortable, right? Yeah, and they're compostable as well. Which are ethical. Yeah, exactly. So pretty They're ethics. not big, though. In no, in no person's imagination are those big. They're yeah, not. but they don't go up your bottom. And I know that you are unprepared to run the risk of anything going up your I bottom. I am too old to ever put anything up my bottom again. <laughs> Although the doctor said uh, yesterday that I should probably have a colonoscopy, so um, I'm that old. <laughs> oh my God. Procedure conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colonoscopies. Um, mm, Osteopathy. Mammograms. Gastrointestinal everything. I'm having a smear in 10 days. Bones, eyes, hearing, skin, tags, moles. 
you name it. The other conversation that I am known to be having are the, is the planning of fictional weekends away. Now, might as well be writing a poem. <laughs> oh, let's no. go to Porto. <laughs> we might not make it to Porto. Maybe we should just do Margate. The Ooh, Tate. Bath. Aquasulis. Yes, exactly. Even a London hotel. Just a slightly shit one at the end of the road. Exactly. Yeah. And we could. And of course, I'd like everybody to realise that this is totally within the realms of fiction and no one actually has the energy to plan dinner, let alone a weekend away with four other people. We could eat, go for walks. Plan our funerals, obviously. Ha ha ha. Can I bring my dog? No, you can't bring your dog. Can I go wild swimming? We will be alone. The wild swimming, she's, you know... She's becoming a wild swimming ball and she is not alone. You've got plenty of, do, you have, do you have intense wild swimming conversations? Okay, so, I mean, I could literally spend the next 45 minutes talking about wild swimming, so let's not do that. But the incredibly detailed conversations we can have about, so the lowest temperature you've ever been in, pool, pond or sea. Okay? By the way, I, I just, just to be really even, I'm going to say that Emily has been twice. Three times. Go on. Curses. The thickness of neoprene gloves that you have, are you a three millimetre or a five millimetre? Can you get neoprene mittens or like neoprene paddles, like flippers that keep you warm but let you absolutely surge through the icy cold water? That would be a game changer. Like actually socks, neoprene socks are a game changer. Mm. The other thing is, is that you have to discuss the exact time you spent in five degree water, what your cold water goals are. and there's Are cold water goals... How cold you want to go and how long you want to stay in it for. Yeah, so for example... How will someone know if you're stimulated or dying? <laughs> because there's a lifeguard where I go. And they know... So you're doing controlled cold water swimming environments. Yes, exactly. I'm does not that even count? Some... For Winhof it would. It does count in the five mm. degree water. And if you have a problem with it, you could come on Saturday I morning. will not be doing that. You know that you're safe. <laughs> I know, exactly. Because you are one of the people who, when this conversation is happening, is looking at everybody else thinking that they're absolutely mad. Yes, but I are. can take your cold swimming conversation and I can come right back at you with needlepoints. <laughs> that is true. Just to prove that we're all 300. So, you know, <laughs> the best places to get your kits. Um, should you get a head torch for your sort of nighttime pricking? You should get a head torch. It leaves an imprint on your forehead. Um, you know, how unfuckable does that make us? Very. <laughs> how much do we care? Not that much, although I mean, you've got to pick your context. I have to tell you, there's nothing fuckable about a woman with the neoprene gloves and socks and a swimsuit on and a woolly hat. I know, I look at us both. That. Sirens, the two of us. How to make the back of your needlepoint look neat. How many stitches per inch? How many tears Ooh. per inch? Where to start the thread, where to pick up the thread. Who can make up cushions nicely and cheaply for you? Who can stretch and frame? What do we think about slogan cushions? Would you like to see my series of insect needle points? Here, take my spare needle threader. I have many. I mean, I think you might have won, you know, cold water swimming versus cushions. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's, it, you know, it depends on your point of view. But everybody has a point of view on this particular conversational qualifier. If money was no object. Oh, so let's just play that game, please. For example, where would you live? This is the big one. Where would you live if money were no object? There's always someone who wants to live in the Caribbean, but most people say somewhere like somewhere sort of posh, like Hampstead. You're Hampstead, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, Vale of the Heath, very specifically that street. Yeah, so once we've done, you know, Primrose Hill or Bruton in Somerset or a gorgeous, like, you know, Georgian Hackney house, it quickly segues into, hmm... Where would your second home be if money were no object? Where would your holiday home be if money was no object? And each question feeds like a litany of never realised dreams. Would it be Los Angeles for a year? Bali? Up and out? 
maybe city for six months and then away for six <laughs> months. And then you get like improbably worthy and start thinking, mm, now, is it really responsible to have a house in the Cotswolds and also just a modest palace in Tuscany? I mean, you know, would I really use them? Would I? You know, and also, would I just feel tied down and guilty and therefore unable to spread my travel wings? And then, like, more questions are coming up, like, would we have staff in both places? If yes. If were no object, would you travel with the staff? Would the staff travel with us on the plane? <laughs> would we have a plane? Would we have a plane? And then, I mean, after that... Now we're in the sort of... Well, it broadens. It broadens. The if money were no object um, conversation broadens to embrace what would you do if you didn't do what you do? And this just like takes the is it responsible to have a palace in Tuscany question and explode it with its worthiness. Well, yes, it it takes that off the table because people (laughs) get very like, hmm, midwifery. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What about being a doula or I've always fancied looking after becoming a child psychologist I think that I could make a difference when it comes to prison reform I mean I have to tell you that I have I have a local library reform fantasy where basically I would give up everything if money were no object and become a librarian because the children the books the books the The libraries this is all really about trying to find a life of purpose isn't it rather than (laughs) one of of punishment because if we had purpose then maybe we'd sleep the insomnia competition so once we've established that, you know, almost no one is sleeping when you're with your friends, maybe you are on the sofa, maybe you are on the tube, maybe you are around a table, then let the insomnia games begin. So right? one person says they wake up at 5.30 every day, at which point someone else, Annabelle, me, says 5.30, 5.30 is the morning. The subject says, you don't know you're born, you ungrateful wretch. And anyway, 5.30 is a lion if you're a 4 am like me. Then one person will... I mean, I never know, understand why anybody says this. One person will ill-advisedly admit that they sleep for eight hours every night like a baby. And I feel like the, the conversation just stops. It's like they just told the table that they believe in child sacrifice <laughs> in the right circumstances. <laughs> I mean, see, why if do you people say, do it? If you say, my back is agony, then someone usually won't say, mine feels really good and I'm super flexible today. Yeah, if you say, I'm really heartbroken, my relationship is, broken, is breaking down. We're in a really good place, actually. I mean, for fuck's sake. It's psychotic. But with sleep, people feel like they go, well, I sleep fine. The other thing that, um, that particularly married people like to talk about, married, married women, maybe it's because <clears throat> they'd rather not discuss the tumbleweed of their own <laughs> sex lives, but they're obsessed. If there's one person in the room who's having quite a lot of random sex, <laughs> then the appetite for blow-by-blow detail is phenomenal. Married women like to hear about it. They tend to give very, very bad sex and romance advice. They tend to say things like, just tell him you're wearing no knickers or more men are liars. Um, but they do like to hear about it. So they, you know, they might, they might, they like to ask questions like, you know, very granular. So did he try and take your knickers off before or after he took that call from his ex-girlfriend? You gave him a blowjob where? Mm. What do you mean he fingered you during cabaret? Also, how did he get tickets? Much more important. How did he get tickets is the hottest show in town. The other conversation that requires a sort of microscopically informative detail is skin. One person comes into the room with their skin looking good. Everybody wants to know what they're doing. What you really don't want them to say is, oh, I just use sweet almond oil. Oh, my God. You, you, which is annoying because you need to know <clears throat> that there is a road to good skin. Even if you have neither the money nor the time nor the inclination to use the 
products and to go for the needles. You just need to know that it's possible. That it's possible. So really, what they what they need to give you is 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 an absolute dissection of everything that they're doing, from yeah. injectables to peels to supplements to diet to creams to tinted moisturizers to filler. You want to know every time they or someone else has touched their face for the last two years. Yeah, I want to know everything. You're really good like that, though. Well, what I started doing, I don't this is annoying or helpful, but because I write about beauty and I try lots of things, if someone says your skin looks good today, I will immediately WhatsApp them whatever is on it, which at the moment is usually NARS Tinted Moisturiser, SPF 30. Very, very good. But I just think that's helpful. They're sitting there on their WhatsApp if they want to do it or not. But, but I think that's incredibly helpful. What was that again? Huh. NARS Tinted Moisturiser, SPF 30. Okay, Heels. you heard it. Heels. Hot topic. Yes, it is. Whether or not we'll ever wear heels again. So a friend of mine <clears throat> came for dinner last night and she it was formally heel obsessed. I'm talking about to the kind of, you know, sort of misery of her bank manager and her wardrobe and her, everything. And she admitted to putting on her favourite pair of Jimmy Choo's post-pandemic, walking out of the house, around the corner, and then right back home to change into flats. Oh, I've put on heels upstairs and taken them off downstairs a few times recently. But even though I don't want to wear heels, and they are torture, and they're a terrible sort of oppressive patriarchal invention and absurd, I'm sad to think I'll never wear them again. I want to be in the game, not to go to the pub, and not even to go to work. But let's say, there's, let's say at some point there's a sensational party. Please God, at some point there will be. I want to feel that I'll be, I'll be in very high heels, which means I'm going to have to keep practising. Otherwise, that will be a disaster. You know, high heels, having not worn them for two years, and tequila, not good. No. So I think the best thing about sort of never seeing anyone again or never leaving my house, basically, after 6pm, is that the risk of having to wear heels is very low. It is low, but you can still have a party. Yes. So we've been thinking about the best nostalgic 80s songs to bring us all back from the brink of madness and misery without having to put on a heel or mascara or leave the kitchen, actually. Okay, so pot pickers. I've always wanted to say that. That, that literally... We need like a Dave Lee Travis sort of soundtrack. So, in no particular order, we're going to start with Let's Dance by David Bowie. You now, wanted to say Let's Dance, didn't you? I, I did. It. I did. Let's dance. <laughs> Let's dance. I think that's how he says it. That's what David would have wanted. Well, that's all right then. Okay, fine. Anyway, this song is a command. It's a call to arms. It's an instruction to choose life. Yes, you look like shit and you feel worse, but for three minutes you can forget you are the most exhausted person on the planet and just bounce around to Bowie. Yes, and if you're less cool, <laughs> like me, then it's going to be I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. It is a scientific fact. It isn't, but it's a scientific fact. <laughs> Brian Cox would agree. Mm. Exactly. That this song will take you from the pit of despair, the depths of despair, to borderline euphoria before Whitney's clock has even struck upon the hour. Think of her perfect teeth and her beautiful skin and her corkscrew hair pinging all over the place. And also, you'll do more exercise dancing to this than you have done the last two years. So there is no downside. There is no downside. OK, also, I'm just smiling just thinking about this song, Faith by George Michael. Uh, there is such a thing as a perfect pop song. Right from the organy bit and then the guitar bit at the top. I mean, the whole thing. Dunk, 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 dunk. And you may not have a jukebox to tap the dunk, dunk on the side of it, but a fridge will do. A fridge will do. Mouth the words to someone you fancy, they'll like it, and if they don't, dump them or make them take the bins out. I've had, in brackets, The Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. The brackets are important. The brackets are essential. <laughs> there are a couple of ways to go with this song. I mean, you could rope someone in to attempt the legendary Dirty Dancing lift, but 
you know, who wants a broken back or their head straight through a wall at this stage in life? <laughs> Can you imagine? Rather than that, quite good to sit and picture your funeral instead. Picture it, Emily, your coffin disappearing into the oven, not the ground. Right? <laughs> it's very important. For Behind the curtain. And this song is playing and everybody is crying, but they are also celebrating oh. you. And they're whimpering and they're saying, what an awesome song to leave this world to. It's a rewarding fantasy. Well, I just feel slightly tearful at the idea of this. Joyfully tearful. Okay, another favourite. Push It by Salt and Pepper. Real good. Now, right now, listening to this song, if you put it on, you are the coolest person you know as you push it real good on the landing outside the bathroom in your slippers holding a basket of washing that needs folding. The coolest person you know. <laughs> yeah. As you um, ignite a gentle rave, for one, to the soundtrack of Theme from S Express by S Express. <laughs> I love it! It symbolises to you those days when you mixed with other humans without wanting to be in bed by 9pm, even though you were supposed to be in bed by 9pm because you were, like, 11. And you, you can relive those heady feelings and still be in bed by 9pm. And still be in bed by 9. This is making me so Yay! happy. Hooray! Okay, and then you're going to put on Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Mm. Now, this is a good opportunity to force others to join you in some kind of group choreography, much like you might have done in the 80s. Because we know how everybody loves a bit of group choreography. <laughs> uh, th okay, this is, this is the one that tops them all for me. Buffalo Stance by Nona Cherry. That uh, question... Do you, or did you ever, know what a buffalo stance actually is? Do you know, it's actually never occurred to me to wonder. That's because it doesn't matter. Of course it doesn't matter. Just try and kind of activate one. <laughs> Just find your own buffalo stance. Uh, it's important for you to wrap along while you're doing it. Just, oh, yeah. Do it in, a, in like a locked cupboard where no one can see you. That's important. <laughs> I was just thinking when you said it's important to wrap along, I was thinking, wrap what presents? Yes. That's I know, where I we know, are. I know. <laughs> Christmas, every time I say, I'll be wrapping tonight. It makes me laugh. <laughs> so we are going to, um, Em, you're going to stick this playlist, this ki Mid-Art Kitchen Disco playlist on the show notes, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. So that in case you are riven with panic and need a moment of, I don't know, three Mindless minutes of abandonment. 80s, yes. You Wild just, abandonment. You can just have a look. Have a look um, and let us know how it goes. Yeah. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And remember, discover the power of your inner calm with Oto, who are offering you 20% off their power drops using the code MIDALT20. Oh, 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 oh,